Okay, welcome back to the Seasock Reading Club. This is our new seasonal podcast that we're beginning and trying summer 2019. We're reading The Normal Christian Faith by Watchman Nee as a club. No matter where you are, what you're doing, internship, interning with Seasock, summer jobs, with family, on vacation, holding to truth in love together, right. and reading this as a club. We're on chapter three, God becoming man. Yes. And KB, give us give us a little opener here on what we're going to get into with God becoming man in chapter three. Yeah. So uh, again, where what what Watchman is doing here is he's uh, slowly approaching the topic of Christianity, beginning from afar, almost like viewing a mountain from afar, mm. and you see the huge, broad outline and the peaks, yeah. but really no no the, none of the details. Uh, that mountain is basically Christianity. And so Nee in the first chapter showed us, hey, there is a God. We kind of went through that in yeah. that first episode. Check that out if you missed it. Awesome. Uh, great basic arguments for the existence of God. Remember, at that point, we're not even talking the Christian God, uh, the God revealed in the Bible. We're just talking about, is there a God, the search yeah. for God? Hey, there's a mountain. And in chapter two, we're getting a little closer to that mountain, picking up a little bit. Uh, more of its features, its topography. Yeah. What is this mountain really like? That was chapter two. If if God were to want to reach out to humanity, how would he do so? How would he do it? What would that book be like if he sanctioned uh, the use of a book in human language? And then, uh, so that book is the Bible. Uh, if you miss that one, don't you know? Don't <laughs> yeah. miss that one. Go back and don't catch miss that. That chapter. It'll make you want to read the Bible. Yeah. Um, and then in this chapter, chapter three, we're getting closer. You could almost say we're right at the base of the mountain now, and we're really beholding the mountain itself front and center. Yeah. This chapter is going to be on if God were to come amongst us in our midst, in, in the midst of human beings, humankind, and become a man, what would that be like? How could we know we were face-to-face with Jehovah God, the yeah. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. incarnate, mm-hmm. in flesh. And I just want to go back to uh, one example I had in mind mm-hmm. last time, which which I think is really helpful. You know, we talked about with creation, you can see something of God, mm-hmm. the faint glimmers of God's characteristics, what yeah. he's kind of the power. Uh, Romans one twenty is what we're thinking of here. God's power and characteristics, mm-hmm. you know, the painting shows kind of the style and something about the painter. For sure. Now, the words are going to reveal more. So, if you again, if you had the painter amongst you and he was telling you or you had a written statement by the right. painter, you would be able to understand more about that painting by the words. Words reveal more than works. Mm. Works are visible manifestations of something about that person, but they're not as clear as words. Mm. Now, the clearest revelation God can give us is himself in flesh, person. The person himself can do more than even the words recorded in a book can do. Mm. So if we had a person live in front of us, living, reacting, moving, facial expressions, attitudes, this is going to give us the clearest uh, apprehension possible of who this person is, if it's really God. And... Watch me. He starts out here right at the beginning of chapter three with the difference between the written and the spoken word. Mm. I thought this was really interesting. We're in a, a obviously a, a verbose culture. Yeah. Texting wise. Yes. Very. A lot of people text on their phone more than they talk on their phone. That's true. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. 
I think it requires less emotional energy to actually text someone. It, it requires less emotional energy than it does to actually talk to someone. That's I think true. That's part of why it's so popular. I think most people prefer a text, right? I do. You do? I do, I do too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're 25 or younger, you know, you may be getting phone calls and you may feel that kind of, ah, let me just oh, hit no. decline and then text. Hey, yes. hey, man, what's up? Yes. Yeah. I've and you would prefer texting. Yeah, yeah. I've done that too. Yeah. It's okay. You've probably done that to me. No, no, I don't <laughs> think so. Well, maybe, but anyway, I don't remember. Okay, now, there, that's great. Texting's great. It makes communication easy, fast, mm-hmm. but there is a, uh, a default shortage in yeah. written communication. Yeah. What can't you get, or, or at least you can't get that easily in text message, for instance? You can't get any FaceTime, for sure. You can't get any FaceTime, <laughs> that's for sure. Here's another one. You can't get tone of voice that easily. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you got to res- resort to punctuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for instance, we've we've had the conversation with our staff. Ending a text message with a period, grammatically, it's totally fine. And in the written conventions of language, that's how you end a sentence. Yeah. But in text messaging, there's a question. Ooh, is he like mad at me? A little serious. Yeah, little, this is pretty heavy. Oof. Ending the text with a period. <laughs> did I do something wrong? Yeah. Like, I mean, is he coming down on me very, here? Very formal. So, with just written written communication, there is a lack of attitude, tone of voice mm-hmm. uh, that you can get a lot easier. Like right here. Yeah. You and me are talking face Much to face, easier. and I can see exactly, uh, or I could say, I could say more, I could see more clearly. Yeah. Your nonverbal communication right. that is still part of communication. So God becoming a man is going to be a more, watch me, says three things, a more intimate mm. way to communicate. A is going to provide a fuller understanding and it's going to be a more thorough means of communication. Yeah. So God's going to take this next step, this extra step we're going to see in this chapter in becoming a man to fully communicate yeah. himself and his desire to us. Yeah. I love this. I like we need both. We need word written yeah. and we need words spoken. I like these sentences here. Full understanding of someone cannot be achieved merely through writing. Direct contact gives a better chance. Mm-hmm. When spoken language is added to written language, communication becomes enhanced. That's right. So the God who hides himself desire to enhance his communication with man. That's right. And show up incarnate. That's big. That's big for us. That's big. So um, moving forward here in the chapter, I loved this story he gives about how he's on the mountain. I don't know what mountain he's on. Is it Kuling or I don't know. Lushan. 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 That's what it. Lushan. At least that's my best guess pronunciation. Lushan. He's on the mountain and he's there by himself. He's recovering from an illness. It's yeah. snowing. He's not having much contact with man and the birds show up. The yeah, little birds. Right. They're his little friends and they keep coming every day. And Watchman Nee wants to hang out with them. He wants to talk with them, sing the song, yeah. um, be friendly together. But he discovers a problem. He's too big. Yeah. He's too big and too scary. Yeah. There's no way in his current um, state that he could appear to the birds and have fellowship with the birds. So he arrives at this conclusion. Later, I had a certain realization within. I began to preach to myself. I said, this body of mine is too big. 
if I could shrink from 5 feet 11 inches to the size of a bird and even change myself into a bird, they would not be alarmed by my presence. Yeah. I could then tell my heart's intention, and we could spend the winter on the mountain Lushan together. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. And so this illustration, I think we can all understand that, yeah. having desire to have uh, you know, more human-like, friendly fellowship with animals before. This is the kind of, uh, I don't want to say predicament, but this is the kind of situation that God finds himself in, desiring to reveal his intention to man, but existing in a form that would literally burn us to a crisp should he reveal himself in all his glory. So he decides to become a man himself. That's right. And Chris, we even see this in the Old Testament. Mm. Um, If God wants to communicate himself with us, um, you know, he number one, Washington has made this point. He needs to use our language. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, if he, it's a lightning bolt or it's a sign in the sky, or if God speaks, you know, whatever God speaks Scary. naturally, yeah. there's no way to commu- to understand that right. communication. But in the Old Testament, we see even if God uses human language in its full intelligibility, uh, but He's not one of us. It's still a very frightening experience. Can you mm. think of an example where God yeah. uses human language, but it's scary well, in the Old Testament? It makes me think of Mount Sinai. That's what I had in mind. Yeah. So God uh, speaks audibly to all the people of Israel at the base yeah. of Mount Sinai right after he brings them out of Egypt and does all his work. He wants them to know him, just yeah. like we're talking about. They've seen his work, but they don't know him. Fact, you know, we've talked a lot before in the past. It's almost funny. Moses doesn't even know God's name at this point. Right. When he's being sent back to Egypt. Who should I say that you are? Yeah. By the way, if they ask, uh, who sent you? Yeah. What's your name? What's your name? And so God eventually brings all the people out into his presence Mm. at Mount Sinai, and he speaks to them audibly from the heavens, but it's a very frightening experience. Yeah. And eventually the people, they tell Moses, we don't want to do this anymore. Right. You go talk to God, then come tell us. Yeah. So it's interesting. God is even using human language in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. but speaking in such a way that's frightening. So God's going to take that next step yeah. and become one of us so that us birds don't fly away in, you know, in fear yeah. of this non-relatable kind of mm-hmm. entity, this object coming in. We're scared of God if he came just as God yeah. in all of his fullness and of all of his raw glory and mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. That'd be a very terrifying experience. Yeah. Uh, It'd be like touching pure electricity versus being in the warm glow of a you know yeah, 120 a watt point. light bulb that's with a, a lampshade in a living room. So so pleasant. Yeah. To really connect with someone, you have to become the same as they are. Exactly. You have that to holds true come numerous ways on their level. There it is. And this is exactly what God has done with us. Amen. It's good. Okay, I, so I like. Oh, do you yeah, want to say something, well, here, bro? I, I was just wondering about these qualifications, but you, yes. got, you got some more there. No, that's that's exactly where I wanted to go. Qualifications for a man to be God. What do you got? Well, or, again, or what does Watchman Nee got for yeah, us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, just to just to point out to the readers here, Watchman is doing something very similar that he did last chapter. Yeah, if we were to suppose God wrote a book to humanity, mm-hmm. and remember, we didn't know the name of the book or the name of the author. How did we find it? Yeah, we would search for those kind of keywords, mm-hmm. search qualifications. What what would the book be like? Watchman he gives us five qualifications. What would God be like? 
mm-hmm. to help, you know, how would we identify that a person in our midst was actually God himself? Yeah. So let's just read the five here. The first one is this person must claim to be God uh, unapologetically and boldly while boldly. he's on the earth. Yes. So he's, he's not beating around the bush. No. He's got to say that that's who he is. He's got to show his identity. Right. Number two, he's got to have an unusual origin or birth. His entrance into the world, you know, would be unique, yeah. we would imagine. Mark him apart. Three, he, he must bear a moral standard far above other human beings. So if he just seems like anybody else and nothing sticks out about how he lives, yeah. how he interacts with people, you know, you're questioning that. Yeah. Uh, number four, he must be able to perform things no other human beings can do. So think about miracles here. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, and wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, his reactions, how he responds to situations. And number five, he must be able to tell us div- the divine purpose concerning man. So his ability to reveal the God's purpose mm-hmm. and his knowledge and understanding of the mysteries of the universe and the mysteries of God. Yeah. He's got to be able to tell us something totally. that we can't just get on Google and search. Exactly. So those are our five qualifications we're going to look at. And this whole chapter from here on out, he's really spends the whole time on yeah. just qualification number one. Exactly. Which is the claim to be God. Yeah. Does Jesus claim to be God? Uh, assuredly. I mean, I, I think... I think if you've never actually read the New Testament, then you might say, uh, not sure. Yeah. I don't think he did. Or this is one I heard growing up a lot. Well, he's a son of God. Exactly. He's the son of God. He's not God. He's the son of God. Yeah. This chapter is going to blow that out of the water. Exactly. Just like the New Testament does. To claim to be the son of God is to claim to be God. That's right. And Jesus does so assuredly, uh, definitely, boldly, several times, which is necessary if we're going to find out who he is. Uh, Absolutely. And I was shocked by who did not claim to be God. That's right. (laughs) You know, he goes through uh, very quickly. He just goes through a few people that you would think would be in the running. That's right. And that's Confucius, number one. Never Mm -hmm. claimed to be God. He did not. Did not do that. Sakya Muni. I always just think of this guy as Buddha. Yeah. Founder of Buddhism. Founder of Buddhism. Um, Absence of the claim of divinity. This philosophy itself is void of deity. Yeah. Next is Muhammad. Right. Muhammad surely believed, um, stated to believe in God, but also never claimed to be God himself. He said he was the prophet of God. Yeah. So, I mean, after after Watch Me goes quickly through these three people, I started wondering, well, who did? Who did claim to right. be God? And probably once we start really wading into these qualifications, it's a really short list. It is. That's what I started realizing right away. It's almost as if like, once we really start considering the qualifications, there's no one but Jesus who yeah. can be God. National Geographic did do an article on this a couple, uh, maybe a year or two ago. Mm. And they had a list of people who did claim to be God incarnate yeah. on earth right now. Yeah. And I'd never heard of any of them. Okay. Well, there and you go. And so the point is there is no founder of any major religion who ever claimed to be God except Jesus. Wow. There's a few people throughout history, but no one's heard of them or, you yeah. know, they have a small following or we're going to see in this chapter they are in another category. Yeah. They're a liar. Exactly. So what is exactly. what does Watchman need to do here? I love this. People call this the trilemma. Yeah. Liar, lunatic, lunatic or, or Lord. Exactly. 
What do we got here? So I want to read this paragraph. I just I think it's it's for sure merit worthy of just reading in and of itself. The claim to be God, a serious matter. This is where he gets into the trilemma of liar, right. lunatic, or Lord. How can Jesus of Nazareth claim to be God? Before going on, we have to pause for a moment to seriously consider the matter. It is not a light thing to claim to be God. A person who makes such a claim falls into one of three categories. He must belong to one of these three categories. He cannot belong to all three. First, if he claims to be God, and yet in fact is not, he has to be a madman or a lunatic. Second, if he is neither God nor a lunatic, he has to be a liar, deceiving others by his lie. Third, if he is neither of these, he must be God. You can only choose one of the three possibilities. If you do not believe that he is God, you have to consider him a madman. If you cannot take him for either of the two, you have to take him for a liar. There is no need for us to prove if Jesus of Nazareth... There is no need for us to prove if Jesus of Nazareth is God or not. All we have to do is find out if he is a lunatic or a liar. If he is neither... He must be the Son of God. These are our three choices. There is no fourth. That's great. And and the fourth that people would throw in there was, oh, well, he's a good teacher. Yeah. He's a good philosopher. He's yeah. a moral man. But what this paragraph really opens up and brings out is actually that's not possible. Yeah. Because he directly claims and asserts himself to be deity, yeah. he can only be a lunatic a liar or genuinely the Lord. That's right. And, um, yeah. And I, I love that. You know, some people, you know, again, like we talked about last chapter, Matthew five through seven, the mm. teachings of Jesus, the yeah. high moral standard of the Bible. A lot of people obviously respect that, mm -hmm. but this is the catch 22, the paradox. Exactly. You can't respect that teaching and think, Oh, he's just a great teacher yeah. because of his claim exactly. central to all of his teaching, which was, I am deity in flesh. I am capital G O D. I am God. Yeah. So if you are trying to hold on to the great teachings, but say he's just a great moral teacher, well, he's pulling the greatest sham and greatest <laughs> delusion and deceit of, yeah. of all of humanity ever. He's deceived billions of people, and that's not what a great moral teacher does. Exactly. He's a fraud. Okay, now, I was thinking about this liar, lunatic, Lord, Chris. This is yeah. such a great thing to use yeah. to people. And I thought, okay, let, can we take this one step further? You know, we've got Nee's giving us the, the triple L here. Mm -hmm. He's either a liar, mm -hmm. he's a lunatic, or his Lord. Or his Lord. Can I, I? I came up with three P's. Okay. All right, bro. I know. Right, I know. Give us your three P's. You're laughing because yeah, no, you know I like on, to do this. Man. Yes. Give us the three P's. Okay. Let's let's take this one step further. Let's project yeah. what should our response to each one of these categories be? Okay. 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 If Jesus claims to be God and he's not, he's a liar. Wait. Can I just guess? Can I guess? Go for it, bro. So this is response to yeah. liar. If if he claims to be God and he's one of these other three or one of these three, what p word should we respond to him with? Uh, there may be others, you know. Okay, well, I can't think of anything. What is it? If he claims to be God, he's not. He's a major liar, committing worldwide fraud yeah. for over two thousand years, embezzling millions of dollars. What should we do? How should we respond to him? We should punish him. Oh wow, that's yeah. He's that's, committing right massive 
a massive Ponzi scheme, a massive fraud. <laughs> yeah. He should be punished for the lie. Mm-hmm. That's how, if he is a liar. Yeah. So again, you can't just hold on to, he's a great moral teacher and I like this. You, you really, your response should be, we need to punish him. Wow. He's a liar. Wow. This is not right. Yeah. Okay. What if he's a lunatic? He's claiming to be God and he truly believes it, but he's literally insane. He's yeah. lost his mind. Maybe he's got dementia. Maybe he forgot who he was. He's, you know, maybe he's in the throes of a, of a real yeah. serious mental uh, illness and uh, mental sickness. And yeah. he's really not there. Yeah. What should our response to be him? I, a P I, word. I want to say imprisoned, but that doesn't begin with P. No, no. What How about got? this one? We should pity him. Oh, okay. okay. If he yeah, truly yeah, yeah. has lost yeah. his mind, he needs help. Yeah. He has a mental, it's a mental health crisis mm-hmm. of, you know, unimaginable proportions. Some guy thinks he's God. We should almost feel sorry for him. We should yeah. pity him. We should get him the help he needs. Yeah. Okay. So we should punish him if he's a liar. We should pity, pity him no. if he's a lunatic. If he is Lord, what should we do? Praise. We should praise All him. All right. Yes. We should praise yes. him. So anyways, Amen. to me, I, I think that helps. Oh, that's good. Taking it one step further, not just who is he, but mm-hmm. if if he is one of these three categories, how would we personally respond? Yeah. We should feel, man, this should not go unpunished. Mm-hmm. We should punish him. Number two, this deserves my pity and sympathy. This is yeah. tragic. He's a human being who's delusional. Mm-hmm. But if he is who he claims to be, we should praise him. Yeah. We should fall prostrate oh, yes. before him. Prostrate. And worship God that. in the flesh. Yes. The man who is God, Jesus Christ. That's right. Anyways, I thought that was pretty cool. That's so good. It reminds me of these verses. I'm just going to pull them up here real pull quick in Philippians 2. Mm-hmm. This is Philippians 2, 9. And okay. 10 and 11, God has highly exalted him and yeah. bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue openly confess that Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ is, is Lord, Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah. It's, it's appropriate that we bow our knee. Bow every knee. Bow both knees. That's right. Confess with our tongue. Amen. Jesus is Lord. That's right. Love that. Yeah, that's right. And let me just say this too: when when the Bible says Jesus is Lord, yeah, this may uh, not, you know, uh, many English readers of the Bible may miss this point. Mm. Um, when it says Jesus is Lord, if you read a lot of English Bibles in the Old Testament, you'll notice Lord in all caps, small caps, right? L O R D for the name of God. Mm -hmm. And that was what the Jews would use to identify God. They would, uh, out of reverence for God's holiness, they feared to use his personal name, which we actually don't know how to pronounce, but the best guess is is Jehovah or Yahweh. It's called the Tetragrammaton. It's just four letters in Hebrew. And we don't know technically how to pronounce it, but it's Jehovah. That's how we use it, or Yahweh. When the Jews came to that divine name in the Bible, they would substitute the word Lord. Mm. And so for the Jews, for Jewish people, their designation of God was Lord. Mm. So when New Testament Christians are now claiming Jesus is Lord, they are saying more than Jesus is king or Jesus is powerful or Jesus 
has authority. Yeah. They're saying Jesus is the Old Testament Yahweh himself. Yes. Jesus is full God. Amen. So Amen. don't miss that. <laughs> yeah, we, can't we got that here that. in Philippians 2. Jesus yes. Christ is Lord. We confess that we're confessing Jesus Christ is God. Amen. To the glory of God. God, God the Father, though. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's look at um again, this is I think this is really important, Chris. A lot of people I've met are under the impression Jesus never claimed to be God. Yeah. I've talked to so many college students who go, Well, Jesus never really said that. Yeah. And that's, that's true. That's Bible. true in the sense that Jesus never literally said straight out, I am God. Hmm. But there's reasons he didn't say it like that. Hmm. That that didn't really fit that context and it didn't fit his you know he was worried about dying too early (laughs) i mean if he just straight up said hey i'm god things might have ended quicker than he wanted to yeah but that doesn't mean he doesn't make explicit and obvious claims to be god so let's let's spend the rest of the time here to look at some of these great verses yes i think all of our listeners need to have in their pocket on on in our pocket yeah on on cue when they need it. Yeah. All right, what's our first verse we should really pay attention to? Um, which one were we going to touch first here? I'm I'm looking at um is this John 5 here? Uh 10:30, how about that one? 10:30 on page oh, 36. Oh, yes, yes, that's what he opens. He kind of opens with that one talking about Yeah, this is under the heading the son and the father are one. The son and the father. That's on 36. That's my 36. I've oh, got a, I think, an I've older. Got a, I've got a different one. Oh, I'm 35. Okay, into okay. 35 for the newer version yes. of the book. John 10, 30. I and the Father are one. Okay, John 10, 30. Yes. I and the Father are one. How is this a claim to be God? Well, that's a good question, Kyle. I want to know what you have to say about that. <laughs> well, I've used this verse as, I've used this verse on, you know, with people. I've used his verses with Muslims too. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus claimed to be God. Yeah. And Jesus is a prophet. Yes. Again, kind of back on the trilemma. So either he's telling the truth, prophets aren't supposed to lie, right? Yeah. And, no, that and would be, that Muslims would be do respect Jesus as a prophet. They just think, you know, uh, Muhammad is the final prophet. Yeah. So Jesus says, I and the Father are one. What does he mean by are one? Mm-hmm. He means one in essence. We are one being. Mm. I am one. I am I am one with the one who is God. Yes. God the Father. Remember he's talking to Jews here. So for them God was one. That's the bedrock of uh Judaism. Mm. That uh, the Shema, hear O Israel the Lord. Yeah. Your God is one. Is one. Now Jesus says I am one with the one. Mhm. But doesn't that mean there's two now? Yeah, well. So Jesus is claiming to be God, but that's just obviously a hint at the Trinity here. Yes. But this one is not just one in purpose, one in thought, one in will. I'm not just on the same team as God. I'm one in my essence. I'm one in my nature. I'm one in my very being mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. And how do we know that the Jews understood this one as a claim to full deity? Well, we look at the response. What do they do? Try to kill him. The very next verse, verse 31, the Jews took up stones that they might stone him. Jesus, verse 32, I love this, almost a little comic relief. I've shown you many good works from the Father. Uh, for, for which one of these works are you stoning me? Yeah. You know, I mowed your grass, I washed your car. Why, why do you hate me? Yeah. 
And they say in verse 33, we're not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man are making yourself God. Mm. So the Jews, the Jews caught the Lord's drift there. Yeah. That's a full claim to be God. John 10 30. Yeah. What's another one we could look at? I I really like John chapter eight, but you okay. may you may have let's go to eight. One. You may have another one in there before. This is great. I like John chapter eight where he's talking, he's relating to them about Abraham rejoicing to see his day. Yeah. And their response, the Jews, I mean, logical response is you're not even fifty years old. So how can you have seen Abraham? That's how can right. Abraham rejoiced to have seen your day. When did you guys talk? Yeah. You're not even 50. He lived a long time ago. Jesus's response in verse 58 is truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham came into being, I am. I'm what? Yeah, exactly. I am. <laughs> so this is, uh, that may just sound like bad English. That's to, right. To the modern day. Uh, yeah, shouldn't he say I was? Yeah, before yeah. Abraham came in, I was already there. Well, that's the thing is that he's tapping into the way God reveals Himself in Exodus to Moses. That's right. Moses says, "Who are you? What should I say your name is?" If they ask who you are, who do I tell them that you are? What's your name? He says, "I am that I am." So when Jesus says, "Before Abraham came into being, I am." The Jews get it. They get it. That's why they endeavored to stone him again. That's right. <laughs> because in their mind, and uh, let's be honest, in a um, in a logical first century Jewish person's mind, you could see, like, whoa, what did he just say? He's rocking the boat. That is a big rocking of the boat. That sounds like blasphemy. That's right. Which brings us back to the trilemma. Is this man alive? That's right. Is he a madman? Well, let's evaluate him, his body of work, his words. Surely he has to be telling the truth. That's right. This is God incarnate. That's right. So here to me, this is my go-to verse whenever I'm talking with people or unbelievers about this. I want to present this to them so that they can wrestle with it. Jesus cannot just be a good philosopher. That's right. He cannot just be a good teacher. Look at these words. He is adamantly, boldly proclaiming to be God in the flesh. That's right. And let me just add this on. I, lo I love this. This is this is really one of the best verses in John. Yeah. Uh, all these verses that Watchmen are giving us in this chapter are in John. Mm -hmm. John really is featuring this. Yeah. Um, John eight fifty eight. I want to say two things about this, Chris. One thing is, depending on your English translation, like the ESV I know and a lot of other modern English translations, will smooth out this sentence by saying, uh, Jesus says, before Abraham came into being, uh, sometimes they'll say, I am he. I am he. Um, and, or, or in the rest, uh, the arresting. Actually, I think 858 most capture just I am. But in other places, John 824 you know, unless you believe that I am, I am he, he yeah. you will die in your sins. Yeah. Um, that's the exact same in Greek, though. So Jesus claims this more than once in John 8. He does it in eight, chapter 18, yeah. in the arrest. Who are you searching for? You know, Jesus the Nazarene. I am. A lot of translations say, I am he, but that's not in the Greek. Yeah. Jesus, again, says, I am. I am. And 
the response is they 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 fall over backwards. Everybody falls over. It's like there's yeah. a sonic boom. Yes. you know of of a divine revelation there in exactly. the revelation of the, of the name of God. Exactly. Okay, what does it mean though? I am. Mm. That's a weird name for God, right? Uh, I just want to say, you know, yeah. I just want to throw this out there yeah, just for it, future consideration. Throw it out. After you know you finish this podcast, I am really means three things. Mm. That it, that it's that's what this is why it's God's name. Mm. I am means He is self-existing. Mm. So I am, I just am. Yeah. I don't depend on something for my right. existence. Actually, everything else depends on its existence because of me. Mm. So I am means God is self-existing. Self-existing. He needs nothing to sustain. He doesn't have to eat, sleep, you know, drink liquid to be alive. He sustains all other existence. Mm. Number two, it means he's ever existing. Mm. He's he doesn't pass out of existence. There's no past, yeah. present, or future for God as God. He is always existing. And number three, this is really juicy. It means he's all inclusive. Mm. He is fill in the blank. He's wow. whatever we That's need, good. and he wants to be whatever we need yeah. as our savior. That's really good. Okay, let's look at uh, let's look at one or two more here. Yeah. I want to just do 517 here. I mean, there's a there's a lot in this chapter. Uh, some are more major, some are more minor. He says, you know, I reveal things from the heaven. I speak mm-hmm. the things that no one else speaks. Yeah. I'm from heaven. I came out of heaven. All of those are implicit claims to be God. 517, he says, um, Jesus answered, my father is working until now, and I also am working uh, Watchman, he says, he always put himself in the same place as the Father. Mm. Whatever the Father was doing, Jesus was doing simultaneously. Yeah. It, it wasn't, oh, I saw God doing that. Now I'll go imitate God right. as a good Jew. But whatever the Father is doing, I am simultaneously doing because I am God in the flesh doing it. Yeah. And the Jews, again, catch his drift, drift verse 18. Because of this, therefore... The Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also called God his own father. What does that mean? They say right here in this verse, making himself equal with God. Mm. When we read his words now, we may consider them to be ordinary ordinary remarks, but the Jews knew what he was saying. They knew he was making himself equal with God. So again, based on the Jews' reaction, we can pick up you know what jesus is really doing here Mm -hmm. all right let's go to our last one for today yes let's look at john 14 6 through 9 yes so john 14 6 through 9 this is the infamous Mm -hmm. i mean i mean i don't want to say that in a bad way this is the famous (laughs) i am positively yes this is the positively uh, AKA infamous, famous. AKA famous. This is the famous, um, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That's right. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. I love this verse just because it's awesome in and of itself. But then Philip follows up after this and says, yeah, we, we don't really know where you're going. Yeah. And then he says, hey, by the way, would you just show us the Father? Would you yeah. just show us to him? Just show us. Show him to us. Right. And that will be enough. That will suffice. That's good. That's good. And Jesus responds by saying, have I been so long with you? Yeah. And you've not seen me? Where you been, bro? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've been with you for like three and a half years now. Yeah. Or how can you say, show us the Father? 
If you've seen me, you've seen the father. This to me is so excellent. That's right. I can remember really reading this for the first time, probably my freshman year in college. This was such an eye opener to me. Yeah. How can you say, show us the father? I've been here the whole time. It's like Jesus's mental reasoning powers are short circuiting yeah. to, to respond. He's like, yeah. how? Yeah. How can you say that? Yes, uh, that you clearly don't get it. Right. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Yeah, exactly. And I think this point to me just, I this one to me just frames a little larger. What's happening here, I love, and it's helpful that Jesus is explicitly, um, boldly asserting himself Mm -hmm. as God and as the way to God. And um, this is helpful because I think in our own current context, we need to be able to wrestle with this and yeah. we need to be able to see that this um sentence this truth this proclamation that Jesus is making this cannot just be my truth that's right this can't just be good for me right. oh yeah that's good for me you think that about Jesus well good for you you have your truth i have my truth um we all have a happy day No, what Jesus is saying is, I am God, and I am the only way to God. Who I am and what I'm doing is providing the only way to God. So on the one hand, Jesus is the most tolerant. He's come for all mankind. He desires all men to be saved. That's right. He bore the sins of the world. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. Yeah. On the other hand, Jesus is intolerant. That's right. He's intolerant of everyone's ways to God. That's right. It's impossible. Yeah. Because God is holy, God has to provide a certain way for us to come to him. That's right. So these things can be true at the exact same time. Jesus is the most loving. In some ways, he's the most tolerant. In other ways, he is the most loving and the most intolerant. Yeah. Because he loves mankind, he's gone to the greatest extents to provide a way for all mankind. And he has done so in his person and his work. That's right. So I feel, I feel it's just healthy for us as Christians in our current day and age to hold this in front of us. Although my culture tells me one thing and I feel, I don't want to, I don't want to make others feel bad that I would say that they're wrong or taking a wrong path. I, I wouldn't want to tell them that. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to assume that I'm right and everyone right. else is wrong. Jesus, as the most loving person in the universe, told the whole world he's the only way to God. That's right. So we have to recognize that and yeah. embrace that and recognize this is right. It's beautiful. It's true. And if I love my fellow man, then I hope I can winsomely, lovingly tell him the wonderful good news about Jesus. That's right. And, and what I would even say is the exclusivity of the gospel. That's right. It's, he excludes other ways and says, I am the way. I love you. That's why I'm telling you. That's I right. am the only way to God. I am God. 
and I'm the only way to God. That's right. I think that's a great point, Chris. Let me just wrap up with with yeah. two two other things here. Um, I like you know we need to. I, I like the point you're making here about the exclusive claim here. And again, this this is really what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. No yeah. one else ever made this claim. Yeah. And so, um, if we don't uh, in love help our neighbor you know, yeah. appropriately come to terms with this claim, then we are not loving. Yeah. How loving is it to not, you know, let someone know they're about point. to drive off a cliff if yeah. you know there's a cliff ahead. Yeah. Um, of course, there's a way to do that um, appropriately, and there's a way to do that inappropriately. But uh, all other people said, I'll show you the way. I'll point to the way. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the I way. I am the way. I am the way. And if we don't, if we don't get a, if, if Jesus doesn't, if God himself doesn't come to show us himself as the way, uh, we'll never find the way. Yeah. All we'll be left to is our own thoughts and speculations about how can we find God. And yeah. the gospel says we can't find God on our own. In fact, God, out of his love and his knowing of this, came to find us yeah. in the person of Jesus Christ. And then the other thing I would just say is, you know, we may we may feel like we're in a unique situation in 2019 in America a religiously plural situation mm. where the claim of exclusivity for Jesus being God is yeah. risky, but actually we're just right in line with our family tradition of wow. being a Christian. First century Judaism to make the claim Jesus is Lord is to go against all of the Roman Empire and uh, emperor worship, the cult of the emperor. Wow. They said Caesar was Lord. That was, wow. that's what they said, Kyrios Caesar, Kaiser. Wow. Wow. Caesar is Lord. So that was completely politically provocative. Mm -hmm. And then for the Jews to say Jesus is Lord is to say this man is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. That's theologically wow. provocative. Yeah. So the Jews and the Romans are, in a sense, joint opponents of the Christians wow. for making that exclusive claim Jesus is God in the flesh. Yeah. So in a sense... Uh, we're not that special. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we're not in this weird, unique, uh, hard, difficult environment. Yeah. I know it is difficult, but it's it's part of being a Christian. That's good. And it's part of uh, coming to understand yeah. what Christianity is all about and how had, has God revealed himself mm -hmm. and provided for our salvation. That's good. So that's good. I think that's a great wrap up. Yeah. Let's let's close with that, and also want to invite our listeners. Absolutely, click the link click in it. the description below. Send us a voice message, your favorite quotes, your questions, your enjoyments. We've be begun to get those in. That's right. We're going to put those together. I think maybe let's have like a little bonus episode at the end of this section. This book has yeah. several sections, and that might be a good timing to kind of that's right um, conclude that section with a little bonus episode. Share what you guys have been sending in to us. Let that be an encouragement to the whole club. I like that. All right. Great. See you next time. See you next time.